Welcome to the Almost Famous podcast, the show where we get the opportunity to talk to professionals at the top of their field in the music industry, discussing their journeys and experiences. This episode promises to inspire as we welcome onto the show the founder of ReRecord, the company that makes vinyls out of recycled plastic. He talks about building his own business from the ground up and his predictions for the future of the music industry and how the big old world of Web3 will fit into all of it. You're listening to Almost Famous, a music industry podcast championing independence powered by The Famous Company. Whether you're an artist or music industry professional, ensure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. This is going to be a really interesting podcast today on the subject. We haven't actually spoken about a subject like this before. Uh, We're going to be discussing the environmental impact of the music industry which in my opinion is very much overlooked. We're gonna be talking today with Ralph Dirksen. He is the founder of ReRecord, the world's first climate positive vinyl record manufacturing company. I will let him explain a lot more about that and exactly what it means. We're gonna dive into his background as well in the music industry and obviously dive into what it means to be a business owner especially when it comes to something as great as making a positive impact on the world. So Ralph, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you today. How are we? Well, thank you so much. That was a great intro, actually. You explained it almost better than I can myself. Uh, Do we we need to do the interview? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, man. No, it was so great, actually. It sounds good, doesn't it? The first climate positive record pressing plants. It sounds amazing. Now, we're living in a time of what I like to refer to as the vinyl revival. But of course, there's an issue with traditional vinyl pressing, an environmental issue, clearly. Uh, What makes re-record different? Uh, Well, there's actually a couple things. And I think it's best to first lay out what actually I feel like is the problem with vinyl pressing now. And I think the first pretty obvious one is the use of virgin plastics and PVC. And it's been quite, uh, it's been discussed quite a bit lately. Uh, We've seen some innovation on that front because PVC, the plastic itself, so the vinyl is inherently, um, uh, can be carcinogenic because of the chloride in it. And uh, it is quite a big footprint for plastics, but I won't bore you too much with the technical details. And, but what we're seeing right now in production as a whole is more of a push towards circularity, which is I, which I felt is something we can uh, look a lot more also in vinyl production, but also in, for example, cassette production, maybe possibly CDs later. And I feel like the other big issue with vinyl pressing right now is uh, the use of actual pressing machines. So uh, for a bit of context, pressing machines currently use steam to eat the plastics, to eat the, the, the presses themselves, which usually are heated with gas, um, which uh, I don't think I need to say, say how much of an impact that can have uh, production. Uh, so I felt like there was uh, uh, room to improve, and that's kind of how ReRecord was born. Yeah, definitely. So your journey to establishing ReRecord, um, can you dive into that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think after I, I used to I used to manage uh, starting artists before I started re-record, 
Um, and after a while, I got pretty fed up, like I think a lot of independent artists with waiting lists uh, for vinyl record pressing plants. I think it's something uh, a lot of independent artists and, and labels and, and managements are familiar with right now. And I started to dive in, in all right, so what is needed for starting, actually, for starting a pressing plant? And pretty quickly, I found that I think there's a lot that can be improved. And so I kind of just started on a whim. I contacted a few pressing plants here in Holland. I saw what they were up to. I talked with actually a, a great business owner in, in Leeuwarden here in Holland. He runs a, a Deep Group's final record pressing plant. Uh, he also focuses a lot on sustainability, and especially in like circular process, uh, but still uses virgin pet. And I started thinking of ways to improve it. So first off was material choice. All right, can you work with recycled materials, uh, regranulate? And then I started getting a little bit more ambitious and thought, all right, well, ocean plastics, it's a hot topic. You see a lot of people talking about, all right, how can we repurpose it? And why not do it with uh, one of the mediums I, I personally and a lot of music listeners with me I love most. And that's kind of how it started. Uh, pretty naively, I must say. Uh, <laughs> I just kind of dove in. <laughs> I thought, yeah, let's just make some records. It's, I mean, yeah. it can't be that hard, right? And uh, pretty quickly you get a... You get a reality check, but yeah, it's been talking, such a great process so far. <laughs> talking about that reality check, when you decided to jump to start like making your own company, um, what was the reaction of the, the people around you? Uh, positive? Did you have a lot of support? Right. I had a lot of support. Yes, um, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, uh, I, I have such a great environment for um, around me, for people that support me in what I do and also in other ventures. Uh, I think especially the part in uh, the Netherlands where I come from is pretty entrepreneurial minded. And there's a lot of people that encourage it. There's a lot of support for it. So yeah, I, I was very lucky with that. Yeah. Also in the music industry, because um, I've heard from friends, colleagues, uh, acquaintances that it can be pretty hard to get into music. I think you talked about this on this podcast before. And yeah, I've just been so lucky. There's so many people that stimulate your ideas, try to help out uh, wherever they can. Would you give any, um, is there any like one or two pieces of advice that you would give to someone right now listening to this, thinking about starting a, um, a quite ambitious idea in the music industry? It's not like you're setting up a record label. Countless people have done that. It's not like you're trying to manage a venue or a bar there's there's always ways of of course finding out the ins and outs of that one so what maybe like one or two things that you can suggest to someone who might want to bring a new idea to the table right there is always just one motto i live by and it's it's very simple it's, uh, i stole it from a, a big large name corporation you might know it uh just do it it's yeah <laughs> it's yeah. so simple for me i i and it's it's such a uh it's kind of a, a naive point of view to take but i just start and i see where it ends and after six months or seven months if it doesn't work it doesn't work also of course there you know yeah i need to look at uh, does it really not work or do i just not have the right tools and skills right now can i develop more but just get started and talk to people and and see where it goes yeah to start your own business in any industry you need to have drive you need to have the right. the willingness to work 24 7 3, 6, 5. is running your own business something that you always wanted to do uh no no i don't think that drive came inherently for me uh i think that only really started uh, like the the business sense and entrepreneurial mindset i only think it started with me after i was like i think 17 or 18. Uh, I performed as a singer-songwriter 
when I was younger and without actually knowing it because because being an artist is, is running a business I think we can agree on this I think after that happened I started to to yeah I just got so much energy from uh, actually uh, like building up things from the ground up the sense of ownership it gave me really was something quite special and I really haven't let go since that's brilliant I I love um like like we touched upon you are you are the the world's first climate positive vinyl record manufacturing company when you look at the music industry as a whole though let's put vinyls aside a second what else would you say has a major impact on the environment yeah well this is a great question uh because this is one that gets often overlooked there's a book by a um, professor from the University of Oslo. His name is Kyle Devine. And in 2019, he released a book and it's called Decomposed, uh, The Political Ecology of Music, which is a, a big recommendation for anyone interested in this topic. He very much quantifies, analyzes, and looks at the impact, the, the ecological impact, the environmental impact of the music industry as a whole, and especially with different forms of consuming media. So everything from the Shellac era records uh, to CDs and now to streaming. And uh, the most um, noticeable thing that came out of the book that always stuck with me was that uh, in the heyday of vinyl, there were a couple hundred million vinyl records pressed here, if not more. And uh, if you look at total emissions, uh, CO2 or CO2 equivalent emissions emitted in that era, I think it's 1977, uh, in 2019, 2018, about double that was emitted just by using streaming. And I think a lot of people are not aware of the environmental impact of streaming. Because if you look at it, it's, it's so easy, right? You can take up your phone, you can press your Apple Music or your Spotify or whatever. You click a song and it plays. There's not a, a, a conscience, uh, there, there's no uh, actual direct link to, to what the emissions are. Uh, with a vinyl record, of course, you're holding, in fact, a, a disc of, of oil and salt. If you look at it very basically, I mean, you can you can like see there's some uh, there's some emissions there. But with streaming, it's it's not noticed that much. There's no awareness. Why is that? And and what would you say? Maybe put it to me. Explain it to me like I'm ten years old. <laughs> like, right, right, that's, right. That's the best yeah. way. I'd like to know why is it that without us even realizing it, streaming services do cause more of an impact on the environment than a physical CD or vinyl. Right. Uh, streaming is, it's, it's very, it looks very immaterial. Well, if you look at it, uh, when you press stream, your internet, which is data, which is electricity, gets sent to a cell tower, which gets sent to a near server room, uh, where all the data is stored, where all the servers need to be cooled, and it takes up a huge amount of energy. And all that electricity, that is what causes uh, the biggest impact, the biggest emissions uh, of, of, of streaming. Wow. Um, besides re-record, I'm working on creating a tool uh, where you can just input how much uh, music you stream on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, uh, how, much, uh, how many vinyl records you bought in a year, how many cassettes you bought in a year, and it shows you uh, uh, the amount of CO2 you emitted that year, wow. which is something very abstract, especially with uh, especially with streaming. Yeah, and it sh should be something you can look up on your phone, just type it in, uh, share it with your friends, and, and create some more awareness for it. It's called, it's called The Cost of Music. Uh, you can look it up uh, You can look it up after. The site is very much under construction, but it's, uh, it's, it's a really cool project. Yeah, brilliant. So thecostofmusic.com? That's it. Costofmusic.com. That's, that's the one. 
yeah, of course, if you listen to this right now, if you have a free hand, definitely go check something like that out. Make note of um, of what you've bought this year. And at the end of this year, I'd love to see, um, we'll do it ourselves and we'll tag you in that. And uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to see that. Going, going through, of course, the... The vinyl side of things, then you really need to give me the the rundown, the processing of a environmentally friendly vinyl. So tell me the process of re-record and 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 from start to finish. Let me know how it's done. All right. Well, in fact, uh, we're mostly building upon uh, existing infrastructure and 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 the the existing businesses that are in in like the supply chain. So our master discs uh, and our, our stampers, we get from the same places vinyl record pressings, uh, regular plants get them. But the difference lies in the two uh, big points I mentioned earlier, which is one, the use of plastics, and two, the production method. So from start to finish, uh, step one is, of course, you know, when artists get to us, they want to make a record, and, and we facilitate them uh, just like a regular pressing plant would. So uh, we help them with their mastering, getting their music rights in order. Uh, and then you kind of get to the production side. So I think the first step is actually um, looking at the right types of plastics. So right now we have two different uh, records that we uh, test and we did a first couple of commercial tests. One is 100% uh, using uh, recycled plastics. This is a, a variant of PET, so it isn't actually PVC. Uh, the same PET that, you, that you, you get your coke balls in, which is recycled. Uh, and the second one is 90% uh, recycled plastics and 10% ocean plastics. We're working on getting that a little bit higher. I think that's the first step. Uh, of course, simultaneously, you get your album covers, uh, your, your, your sleeves, you get them ordered, uh, which we use very specialist uh, uh, printing, uh, printing factories and, and uh, specialized types of, of, of board, of cardboard and paper. Uh, because, of course, this is also uh, something that, in sustainability-wise, is, is very much able to... Uh, you're very much able to... to uh, there's more to get there than what is currently being provided by, by regular plants. And after that, uh, you look at like the inks for pressing uh, for, for, for the record sleeves. These are all little steps uh, that add up to the total, total CO2 amount uh, impact, environmental impact of a, of a vinyl record. Yeah, when we have the sleeves, our production is pretty fast. We can we can pump out records pretty quickly. After that, you get to the production method, and this is where it gets really interesting. But also, I think a little bit more hard, hard to grasp for people less technically inclined or less aware of, of like the vinyl production process. Uh, so I, I talked a little bit about this earlier. Uh, regular records are pressed, so you have, have two hydraulic presses. Uh, they press together. There's some vinyl in between, and you get your beautiful little disc of audio magic. Um, and the process we actually use is injection molding, and without getting too technical, because I, I get carried away easily, uh, <laughs> uh, you have a mold, uh, so uh, two big aluminium uh, blocks with a, a, a tiny mold in between, and you heat up liquid plastics, you pour them in there, in fact, under very high pressure, the master discs are in there, so the stampers, and the plastic forms to the master discs. Uh, in this process, there's no gas used. That's a huge emission factor is gone. And you get records uh, quite more quickly. And right now we're at about 17, 18 seconds per record uh, if we really push production. 
Uh, well, regular pressing plants have like I think 25 seconds on average between 20 and 30. Wow. Uh, so there's there's a couple of of, of CO2 um, and environmental uh, advantages to injection molding. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Can I ask about costing then? Would you say yeah. that your I don't want you to give too much away here because of course I know that it, it depends on the artist, it depends on on the campaign. But would you say that you're competitive in terms of prices or would you say that you're more on the expensive side, but at least right. then you get to have, you know, you've done something really good for the environment there? Well, it very much depends on how many records you get pressed. And especially with independent artists, which I know the famous company mostly uh, uh, focus on. I think with independent artists, I think for about three to five hundred records, economically, it's not very beneficial to go to us. And that's a very honest answer because I know money plays a very big role in a lot of independent artists' lives. Yeah. Uh, the higher you go uh, in terms of uh, units, so uh, think of like a thousand, two thousand records, uh, seven hundred fifty maybe. Uh, there's uh, an economic benefit as well as there is, of course, uh, the, the ecological benefit. But it, it depends on, of course, the record and how long we keep the machine running. Uh, because the downside of injection molding uh, is that you have to heat up the machine. So for lower quantities of orders, uh, it, can be, uh, it can be less cost effective because all the plastics need to get heated. And especially, you know, uh, these days with many different colored types of records out and many different uh, variables. Uh, the switching uh, often takes some time, costs some extra money. Yeah. Yeah. With, I, I guess it's no surprise and it's, it's, it's not an unknown that there's a massive backlog at the moment for vinyl pressing. We touched upon that earlier. Uh, of course, it has a big effect on artists. They can't sell these. It's near impossible to make a profit on digital streaming um right. and it's and so they're reliant on selling discs made out of of course either the yours that you're saying or or going to you do you have any predictions on the music industry then and maybe is there in your opinion a a way that artists will be able to make money in the future uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I find it hard to predict in terms of physical physical media, where it's going, uh, because I think uh, most of us uh, couldn't have predicted 10 or 15 years ago that vinyl was going to make a comeback, uh, let alone cassettes in the last few years as well. But I think in terms of going forward, uh, I think there's uh, really much to be gained in, uh, think of Web 3.0, so NFTs especially. Uh, I think there's such a, such a great market and you see artists experimenting with selling their albums uh, on, on NFT, uh, royalty shares as well. I think Kings of Leon did something, something like that. Yeah, I think that's such an exciting space as well. There's so much innovation going on, uh, so many new technologies, creative ways to monetize your art, uh, which of course is, is so important right now. And I think it's always been for independent artists. Are you looking to dive into any of that in the future? Oh, maybe, but I've got my hands so full right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love re-record and I love custom music, but it's, it's oh man, it, it, <laughs> there's uh, very little hours in a day uh, right now to, to do anything else. And that's totally fine. I, uh, I follow some people on LinkedIn, which are so interesting to, to watch like the whole, whole creative process um, and, and technical innovation behind these kinds of th topics. Yeah, yeah definitely.
we've talked about the impact on the music industry um, in terms of, well, the impact the music industry does have on our environment. Some people would probably want to ignore that uncomfortable truth. And because every single a creative outlet would have an impact on the environment. It just, it just is what it is. Um, what would you say to maybe the people out there who don't really want to talk about this, who maybe are a little bit uncomfortable with it? And um, what's, what's the nicest way of putting it really? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very understandable issue, right? I think we get guilted a lot of the times into, uh, in, into, or we start feeling guilty a lot of the times about the emissions we do have and, and the impacts on the environment we do have. Uh, and I, I think, I, I feel like it's a very natural instinct uh, because of the way we talk about it now. But if, if you look at it concisely, there are um, types of impacts, uh, uh, pieces of our daily lives right now, that it's simply impossible not to have a footprint. And I think there's no shame in that, um, especially for people who are well, uh, uh, less well off or, or um, you know, it, it can be really hard to, to avoid these things. And I kind of feel like uh, sometimes, especially with, with some media outlets or the way people talk about it, you can get shamed into things. I think the biggest difference and the biggest way to change things like this is uh, differently approaching the dialogue or differently approaching the way we talk about it right now. Um, of course, there's people that they're the climate deniers. I mean, we've heard about it and uh, it can be an uncomfortable truth. And I mean, it's it's fine to feel like that, but it is an inevitable way we're going right now. Uh, and I think, and maybe this is too optimistic of me, but I think earlier rather than later, people will know. Uh, and people will, uh, uh, yeah, people will slowly turn around to this. It's it's a it's it's a, it's a, it's um, I think it's about keeping the dialogue open, and um, yeah, just talking about it without shame. I mean, yeah. Do you find yourself? Do you find yourself at like shows or festivals kind of looking around and thinking, my God. Yeah. <laughs> just in this one night. Do you know what I mean? Where we yeah. the, 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 there must be such impact. And do you do you see this changing maybe over the next five, ten years? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's such a great question as well. Uh, yes, I do feel comfortable sometimes, uh, especially with local festivals. And uh, I, I live in like a, an, uh, the eastern part of, of the Netherlands where uh, uh, there is sometimes little concern for things like environments. But there's such great changes happening uh, if you know where to look. Uh, there's, a, I think, I've heard last, just last month, I heard about three fully circular festivals uh, that are being organized here in Holland. I think uh, about two or three weeks ago, I went to a festival and they had flexible, so, uh, flexible solar panels installed on the, uh, the fences you get outside, uh, which like uh, drastically lowers the amount of aggregates which run on diesel you need to get to power the festival. Uh, of course, um, I, I don't know how it is in, in Bristol or in the UK right now, but there's a lot of uh, there's a big push towards reusing cups and cups that have a, a, like a value when you turn them back into the bars on festivals. Mm. I think there's some really interesting stuff going on in making festivals more uh, uh, better environmentally uh, or, or less environmentally damaging. And of course, we have a long way to go. But I think if you know where to look, if you look at the right places, there's there's so many crazy things going on. 
Yeah, I, I've loved your energy today, Ralph. You've been absolutely brilliant. I've got one more question for you, but before I dive into that, let's roll the red carpet out for you. I want you to <laughs> plug away um, everything that you can. Tell us where we can keep up to date on this in- incredible, well, two incredible companies. Um, and I can't wait to see more from you. So yeah, let the people know where they need to look and, and what they'll be looking at. Oh, absolutely. Thank you very much. Uh, I think the best way to reach me and to find out what is going on is uh, either on Costa Music's or Rerecord's Instagram, which is uh, cost underscore, uh, the underscore cost underscore of underscore music, uh, and Rerecord Vinyl on Instagram, uh, as well as my personal LinkedIn. I post a lot of there, uh, a lot on there uh, regarding this issue, regarding this topic, um, as well as, uh, for example, the festival innovations are going on there. Um, you can catch me, I think, in a couple months uh, and later on at a few festivals where I speak about this topic uh, if you're interested in sort of thing. Uh, yeah, and just reach out. Uh, I love talking about this. I think it's a very interesting topic and there's so much more we can learn from each other. And especially I'd like to hear more from, uh, uh, you know, act- uh, people that are active in the industry right now in music. Uh, like, how are you getting along? How do you take the environment into consideration uh, when, for example, touring, which, which is another big mission? Uh, do you at all? Uh, do you find any use for it? Yeah, I'm very interested in, in hearing the perspective of other people uh, on this subject. So you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or on Instagram. And um, yeah, we can have a chat. Thank you so much. Amazing, Ralph. So here's my last question for you. You are a successful business owner, not something that you thought you'd be doing when you were younger. You're tackling an issue that I know I had no clue about when I was younger. <laughs> so I, I want to know um what piece of advice you would give to your younger self oh man oh that's a great question actually uh i think just keep going uh don't get bogged down so easily uh don't let other people uh, tell you what is good and what isn't just uh yeah just do it just do it <laughs> just do it just <laughs> Rob, you've been amazing thank you so much for coming on the show today and we can't wait to see more from you thank you so much You've been listening to Almost Famous, a music industry podcast powered by The Famous Company. If you're an independent artist or music industry professional, for more information, head to www.thefamouscompany.com.